0: second like table As we're still setting up a few things. I need a second table is what I was saying. I have too much stuff. Stuff. How about a chair? You can hold it here. Well, you'll be holding it for a while. Okay. All right. Well, this morning is our part three to thank you. Oh, look at that. Our part three to hearing God's voice. So, are you ready? (laughs) Here we go. Am I ready? Okay, here we go. We're going to start with, um, Jeff had a a chart last week that kind of showed us the journey. Can we show that up on the slides there? And let's take a look at that to start. So, what we've been talking about is that we start in a, what we would call a positional truth. And that is that we are one, we were, were one, are one with Christ. We're seated with Him in heavenly places, whether you see it or feel it or think it or any of those things, or whether you, you feel like you experience it or not, the truth is we're one with Christ. And we illustrated that somewhat over here with these charts. And uh, we used you can't tell who we used here. Okay, here this I think we had a J for Jesus and we had a G for God, and uh, an H. I don't know who we had in there. That's kind of the point. Is and over here I think we started with a C for Carol and Jesus was in Carol and God was in Jesus. So God is in Carol and Jesus Carol's in Jesus and and we're so one that you can't tell the difference. And we could do that with any of our names as an illustration. We could have an M for Matt. Matt's in Jesus, and God's in Jesus, and, and Jesus is in God. and. God is in mad, and and we're so one, you can't hardly, this is just a little illustration that never, there's no good, perfect illustration when it comes to God, you know, but this is somewhat of an idea of what it might be like to be one with God, and that's where we really are on the inside. We're starting there. When it comes to hearing God's voice, we're not separate from God. He's not out there. He is out there, but he's also in here, he's everywhere, and he's in you. And then we had a second illustration for that where this is God, the gold man, or orange kind of man here, person, That's, that's our representation of God. And then we had this brown man with God living on the inside of him, and then as we renewed our mind, God began to live through us. That was the illustration there. If y'all remember that, that we're here. You you guys, I don't think we're here. But then we showed another one here, another way of doing it. And this is a little more difficult to see. We did we drew a pencil person that represented you and me. God on the inside, the gold orange man. God on the inside. And as we renewed our mind, this little we, we were trying to erase. And I like what um, Ralph said about that. And I have to read it. He said, this is when... What he saw in that illustration was that uh, the ego was being reduced. So as we renewed our mind, and these were some of the ways we decided we renewed our mind. We could renew, well, by resetting our thoughts, by replacing negative thoughts with God's word. I know y'all can't see if I'm standing over here. By metanoia, putting uh, God into the center of our mind. Our our parents and what they taught us would have formed or renewed our thoughts. What we read renews our thoughts. When we're educated, I mean, just think, before you knew two plus two was four, your mind didn't know that, right? But you renewed your mind and learned that two plus two is four. Well, that's just a very simple thing, but how many other things, as we get educated, our mind goes, okay, and accepts that, and and you renew your mind. Well, what about the spiritual thoughts? or the self-esteem thoughts, or the God thoughts. We renew our minds through education, through preaching, teaching, what we hear, what we see. Um, through our social, inter- social media does renew our mind. We want to be careful there, right? Through um, what we, when we interact with people, that all affects our minds. And we begin to renew our minds, which is like erasing the old man, or erasing the ego. What, what we've called flesh for many years, we want to call ego, the ego. We, and letting the, the God-man shine through us as we renew our mind. And of course, as we renew our mind, we begin to understand and recognize the voice of God much better. Um, there was something I wanted to say about renewing our mind. So in renewing our mind, by the way, This isn't just a Bible concept. So, you know, like I use the thought of education. Well, we can all realize that if we're educated on a topic, we've learned something new. Our minds become new to that. We can also change the way we think. There's proof now from brain scientists Dr. Caroline Leaf is one of them, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen, who has done a lot of study and a lot of, uh, I don't know what the right word is, I'm going to call it photograti- photography of the brain, of thousands and thousands of brains when they're in different conditions, bipolar people or addicted people or et cetera, et cetera, and see what's happening in the brain. And there's been a discovery that the the, act- the brain has little, like, trees in it. They're not trees, but that actually change as you renew your mind. It's called neuroplasticity. You can actually change your brain through the things that you feed your brain. I'm not talking about Vitamins. I'm talking about through words that words are powerful. These scientists, even though they might prescribe I was reading one of Dr. Amen's books some time ago, and even though he might prescribe some medication for people who are in need He still talked about speaking positively changing the way your brain works and so, that's, so this isn't just a Bible concept, this is also a proven scientific fact that what we say and what we speak can change our thinking and change our brains and change how we feel and change what we believe. And by the way, those of you with children, you can be doing this with your kids. What you speak to your kids will renew their mind. So speaking positive things about them and to them can actually change how they see themselves and change their behavior. And and so this is, a, this is something that's... Uh, Pretty amazing, this renewing our mind, and it allows God to shine through more and more. So back to the chart up on the on the screen, coming back to us. And it looks like you want to say something. Oh, okay, you just picked up the microphone. <laughs> okay. So back to the chart. So, you know, we, we've we read in... in um, Is it John that says, my sheep know my voice? We didn't put that scripture reference down there. John 14, 6, I think. My sheep know my voice. We start from there. We go through this transformational process of renewing the mind till we get to what we're going to call a place of rest. That we do know his voice. And a stranger's voice we won't follow. And this is actually, we started this whole series, y'all don't know this, but we started this whole series based on this. In him we live and move and have our being. Let's put that scripture up there if you would, Jeff. I have it in the Amplified. For in him we live and move and exist. That is, in him we actually have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we also are his children. So I believe, and for the last couple of years, I've been pondering this verse, for in him we live and move and exist. And I think there's far more there than I have even realized. But I'm very convinced that we really do. You do, you do, you do. We live every single day, we move every single minute and exist in him at all times. Now, on the one hand, you could say, well, of course we do. If he lives in us, he is the very breath we breathe. Have you thought about that? If he breathed into us the breath of life, the very breath we breathe is God breath. What a concept. So obviously, we live and move and have our being in him in that way. But I believe that we actually do what we do day in and day out because we live and move and have our being in him. And you might say, but then what about all the bad stuff? What about when I do bad stuff? What about the people who do bad stuff? How can they be living and moving and having their being in him? Well, that is a bit of a a difficult thing. And, And part of the answer is, well, we're constantly growing, And we're constantly maturing and we're constantly renewing our minds if we're giving ourselves to that. So more and more and more, we'll see the actuality of him living through us. But what I believe we're to do is to get to this place of resting in the knowledge that we live and move and have our being in him. Let's go to that next slide there, Jeff. I believe we're to reach a place of rest in the knowledge that he is for us at all times. Reach a place of rest because knowing he never leaves us, no matter what we do. Reach a place of resting that it's normal, not unusual, to walk in his footsteps. i got to say that one again. That's what I mean by when I say I believe we really do live and move and have our being in him. I believe it's normal, not unusual, to walk in his footsteps. And as we mature, that's what happens more and more. And as I believe there's yet another. Go to the next slide. And we rest in the knowledge that when we do something that doesn't fit the image of God in us, he's still walking through that with us. He experiences it with us, and he's still working in us, even when we do something that doesn't fit the image of God in us. Philippians 2.13 says, he is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, It says in the New Living Translation, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Let's all be quiet for just a second. Hear that? That was God working in you. Do you get it? You don't have to hear it or see it or feel it. Right this very moment, according to Philippians 2.13, He is working in you, both to will and to do what pleases him. So here's the deal, I think. And I think we have this for the screen. If you have any desire at all to live godly or to pursue God or to cooperate with his ideas and plans, you've got it made because he's already working in you to fulfill that. And therefore, we live and move and have our being in him. And it's much more normal than we realize. It's much more normal to live in his footsteps than to not live in his footsteps. And the road to get to this place of resting and maturing and that the sheep know his voice is that transformation and renewing of the mind.
1: So that's John chapter 10. Oh, 10. Verse 4 and 5, when he brings out his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, left side of our chart. A stranger they will not follow, right side of our chart. So, what we've submitted to everybody is, for your your thinking about this and praying about this, is that that middle part, that's a journey. The positional t- truth of we know him. We already know him. We already know his voice. Well, if we were perfectly in his presence and there was nothing else going on, evil in the world, we didn't have our fallen body and mind to deal with, all of that, we would perfectly know his voice. But there's so many other voices contending for that voice, that space that wants our attention. And so we have to discern. And yeah, Nina's been laying that groundwork, and then last week as well. But Jesus, the expectation is that all day long Jesus is speaking to us,
0: and working in us, yeah. and working with it, us. It
1: just never stops. And I
0: experiencing mean, life in us, through us, with us.
1: In fact, I would I would suggest that even when you do something bad. Jesus is still speaking to
0: you. Yes, that's kind of what I Even was trying Even when to you
1: say. make a mistake, you flub it, you do something bad, you've maybe erred in your way, you know you're not doing something pleasing to the Lord or you're being contrary or whatever it might be. You know, you're, you're operating in the flesh. Jesus' voice never parts. His voice is constantly there, drawing, speaking to us my shape knows why and a stranger they won't follow see these other things that pull at us are strangers they're strange voices
0: and you know this whole renewing the mind it's like getting to know god it's like me getting to know you when i first met you if you called me i might not have known who called but now i know you by voice
1: it didn't take very long no either
0: right just took some practice it took some yeah
1: and the truth is is that you know, when you're in that stage of infatuation and engagement, you're spending a lot of time together. I mean, late nights, and you're going everywhere together, and you're talking a lot. And if we did that spiritually with our walk with God, if we spent those kind of hours together (laughs) just loving Him and worshiping and reading Scripture and talking... I think we would learn his voice a lot
0: quicker. We also would know his, we know you ways. Like, I know what you do and don't like to eat. I know what movie, kind of movies you want to see. I know what kind of activities you like and don't like because I've been hanging out with you. And so, again, you, to know his, I know, so therefore, I kind of, I know you... Therefore, I know your voice, if you will, on are you going to say, yes, let's go to go get Chinese food? No, you're going to say, no, that's okay. You can go. I'll get something else. I already know that without you ever even saying it. Right.
1: (laughs) So are you saying we can hang out with God?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And we can get to know him in that same way. And so knowing God's voice in your circumstances, in your career, in your friendships, in your marriage, shouldn't be strange it should be as you said already every day the supernatural becomes natural yes. and all the while it's still supernatural in that it's 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 not entirely of this world i don't believe in the dualism of that world and in this world and over there when we get to heaven and now and and that sort of thing but there's there is this divine tension between the ego or flesh of us. Paul spoke about it, the thing that I would, I do not, and the thing that I would not do, I do. And so there's this battle. He speaks of it again, raises it in Galatians chapter 5, talking about the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And there's always sort of that divine tension. And and then he gives us Romans 12, which we talked about extensively last uh, week. And that's where we have to renew the mind, or as Ralph said, put... God and His thoughts at the center of our thoughts, and that's then the quickest way to to hang out with God and get to know His voice clearly is to renew your mind with His thoughts.
0: So a lot of that's a a review and just kind of a strengthening of the things from the last two weeks. What we want to touch on now, and we're going to do this Really kind of quickly because we're doing it all today as opposed to taking time with each of these. But we want to talk about the different ways you might hear God's voice. So, and there are a number of ways and there's a number of ways you can see in scripture that we might hear God's voice. I believe that the first way and we can put this up is your thoughts. We talked about that last week. That's the primary way that we hear God in our thoughts. Uh, John 14 there says that he'll bring things to our remembrance. Holy Spirit will bring things to our remembrance. Well, that's that's in our thoughts. And that is a primary way from hearing from God. And when you live and move and have your being in him, you're just gonna, it's gonna be second nature. You're gonna go to the grocery store because it's time to go to the grocery store. You're gonna go do this, you're gonna go do it, it, it Because you're living it, you're living with him and it's just, it's part of your thoughts. Um, and he's gonna bring things to your remembrance. Also, we realize, of course, and I don't have this on the slide, but there's like revelation as you're reading scripture. That's called rhema, it's a living word. The Greek word is rhema. It's like something lights up on the page. It's like that idea bulb that, you know, in cartoons, you know, oh, I get it. Oh, wait, wait, I think I get that. I've read it 20 times and all of a sudden it means something to me. There's revelation through reading scripture. Or hearing scripture. We can hear God through other people. Maybe you're talking to somebody and they say something and you go, that's it. That's it. Why didn't I think of that? Well, that was God through that person talking to you and giving you what you needed. And then there are some other more dramatic ways that we can hear from God and might might hear from God. And I didn't put this up there, but I'm just going to say it. And I've never had this happen, but we see in Scripture that you could actually hear the audible voice of God. Have you ever, ever heard the audible voice of God? Has anybody in here ever heard the audible voice of God? You have? Yeah. Oh, 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 well, tell us about it. Yeah, turn it. He's got to turn it on first. Um,
1: so I actually did this in a, I, I talked about this in a sermon once, um, and it was,
0: I was sitting in a, an award ceremony for a bunch of high school students, and um, I was feeling very low because all the high school students had accomplished many, many things, and I was thinking about like, how, the, how many things I have not accomplished. Um, and then, you know, it's this big award ceremony, and all the best teachers are pre- presenting the awards to the students, and I was just feeling like, wow, I feel like a waste of space. Um, and I remember here, God, like, there was like someone sitting next to me saying, I don't care. And it was like I heard it and then it was like deep impact so. Wow, very cool. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. So, it's possible that you might not but that again is not the primary way we hear from God is through the audible voice, but it is possible to hear. I don't need this. I've got a microphone. <laughs> Hear, hear the audible voice of God. But let's look at a few of the, the others uh, as well. And I am also curious if you've heard God and on maybe if you're online, if you've heard God through any of these. there's dreams and visions. In Acts chapter two, it talks about in the last days, there's going to be the old men will dream dreams and the young men will see visions and there's definitely visions and dreams. Joseph of the Old Testament, you might remember, he had a dream about how, oh gosh, I I didn't look it up before I I, uh, came, but about how he would be over everybody and they would bow down to him and that dream actually came true later in life, but it got him in trouble in the meantime and then when he was in in prison and the uh, cupbearer and the baker of the king the pharaoh had these dreams and he was able to interpret them uh and then they really did come to pass by way of interpretation what he interpreted those dreams were were lit, were they weren't you know they weren't literal dreams they were analogies but then the interpretation was literal and the literally Came to pass, which by the way is something to know about visions and dreams, is that oftentimes they're not, they could be literal or they could be analogies. They could be something that you're going to have to figure out with God. You're going to have to say, So what did that mean? And uh, I find that being kind of, you know, I, I don't mean to say that the things of God are games, but it's kind of a fun thing. If you think of that, it to seek out it, it keeps you seeking God, kind of playing hide and seek with God and saying, So God, what did that mean? Well, wait a minute, but what about that? I think you're having a good time with God saying, Explain this to me. Clarify this to me. Lord, what did this mean? What did this I've I've gone through seasons of um Well, the next one is seeing objects. This is one that's been big in my life, seeing objects and seeing things in nature. You also have to interpret those things. Those often are not uh, literal. Uh, and, and and in the scriptures you can find that Jeremiah did this in chapter 18. God told him to go down to the potter's house. And as he watched the potter forming the clay, he heard the word of the Lord about what God was doing with, with Israel that was just like the potter, what he was doing with the clay. And so I have found, so I have a, a, a one a few few years ago, Barb, she's not here today, and I and another lady were went up to Chautauqua Park and we were praying and these butterflies, I don't know what you call a herd of butterflies, a bevy of butterflies, a swarm of butterflies, I don't know, but they began to fly over our head as the Lord was talking to us about new things coming. And we were going, oh my gosh, look at these butterflies flying over our head. I mean, a bunch of them. And, and, and we were getting this understanding about new things happening in our lives. And as we began to walk back down, uh, we stopped at where the restroom was. And one of the gals went to the restroom. And the other one and I were standing there talking. And I don't know if you can see this from there. But this big butterfly landed on my hand. Now, we were not at Butterfly Pavilion. We were out in nature. And this butterfly just lands on my hand and stayed there. I mean, I, did, I was like, oh, my gosh, look at this butterfly. Like five minutes just crawled around my hand. And it was a good-sized butterfly. I mean, the Lord was speaking to us through butterflies. And for this season, it, everything was about butterflies and the new life that comes from the caterpillar to the butterfly and that's one of the areas I know that the Lord has spoken to me with with objects then when I went through this thing in the last couple of years with birds and birds were everywhere we had bird birds <laughs> nests on our wall we had birds flying into my practically into my car birds were everywhere the Lord was speaking to me through birds and now I hardly ever even notice birds it seems like it goes in in seasons and um, that may or may not be how the Lord might speak to you. But it does require interpretation. And you do have to say, okay, Lord, well, so what does this mean anyway? What does this mean to my life? What is it you're trying to say to me um, as we interpret the dream or the vision? You know a vision I remember that we've never quite figured out what it meant? I think I've only had one vision. I've had lots of dream. I dream every single night. And so I have a little bit of a hard time finding interpretations in dreams. And the people who have talked to me about interpretations of dreams, classes I've been to about interpreting dreams, they haven't uh, connected with me, um, but they might connect with you. But I had this vision when we were in Finland the very first time. Do you remember that? And we were, we, It was like the first or second night we were there, and we were going to sleep, and the room was dark, and, there, and in my eyes was light. And I went, wait a minute, and I I actually felt my eyes to see if they were open or closed, and they were closed. So then I opened my eyes and there was no light, it was dark. So I closed my eyes again and there was light. And I'm going, what is this? This is weird. And then I began to see this road and it twisted and there was trees on either side and there was this kind of peach colored light shining through the trees as this road twisted for a while. And I kept thinking, am I really seeing this? This is really weird. And then finally it just kind of faded back to black, faded to black, and it was gone. And in the next two days, we were driving down that road with the trees, with the peach-colored light coming through. But what I've never quite figured out is why did I see that? We've never so Lord, I'm asking you afresh. Why did we see that? The only the only understanding I have is knowing that we were in the right place at the right time. It was kind of a confirmation that that's where we should be. If it means more than that, the Lord's going to have to reveal it. I don't know. That's the only vision I think I've ever had.
1: Maybe maybe we're supposed to. Maybe we're going to move to Finland. No.
0: No. Okay. That's not what that means.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, Lord? <laughs> Ralph says that a group of butterflies is officially called a kaleidoscope.
0: Oh. How cool is that? A kaleidoscope of butterflies. That's cool. Yeah, that's a whole new thought process oh, yeah. of interpreting, yeah. interpreting that. The variety and the beauty. Thanks, Ralph. I'm gonna ponder that one. Anybody else had dreams or visions? Anybody wanna share an experience that, that you've had that has, y'all you are smiling, have you had something? Yay, nay? Okay, I think it's a yay. Okay, here we go. Uh, When I first met Matt, um, we knew each other a long time ago when we were kids, but then I re-met him as an adult, and I was a very dated single woman at the time. And um, after the first time that we connected, I had a dream that we were really like, close, like, um, really good friends, like, I could trust him and was very um, intimate with him in a way of friendship, and then that just kind of opened the door for me to not be so jaded and not, like, think terrible of him as being a man, (laughs) and I, like, truly think that our relationship would have gone a different way had I not had that dream that gave me that feeling of trust for him. How cool is that? Well, thank you, Lord, for that, because we really like Matt. We're really glad you married him. (laughs) (laughs) That's very awesome. That's awesome. So that's one of the ways a dream might work. Anybody else have anything? Or or Ralph? Let's see. Okay. So. Want me to read it? Sure, go ahead.
1: In dreams. This is from Ralph. In dreams, God talks to people using their own metaphors and language. Dream interpretation often wants to mend us into a common interpretation. Yes. Which only works partially, cultural nurture.
0: Yes, I t- thank you for saying that because I had that had crossed my mind last night as I was thinking about the stuff, and I didn't write it down. That really it is has to do with with your because it has to do with your filters, and and your understanding of what something means, um, and and not just this. Th- there are l- plenty of lists out there of what things mean, and they might be helpful to you, but sometimes they don't. They, they don't resonate, and that's because that's not what it's supposed to mean. What resonates with you helps you with your interpretation. So thank you for that. That would be true of dreams and the, and the visions that aren't literal, that, that uh, are with metaphors and analogies and that mm-hmm. sort of thing.
1: See, that's important when interpreting prophetic things or when you're reading the book of Revelation or Daniel or Ezekiel. Because they talk about things in those books and in those visions that the prophets are seeing that the prophets have no way of interpreting or, or trying to explain other than within the scope of what they know and are used to, okay? And so they describe them in ways like, for instance, animals and multi-headed animals, um, serpents, they use that. They talk about arrows, flaming arrows coming out of the sky. Well, the truth is, is that when the Roman army came against Jerusalem in 70 AD and destroyed it and completely burnt it out, one of the things that the Romans did was throw, using catapults, the big fireballs, and, and to the people there, the only way that they could explain that was like flaming arrows coming out of heaven, flame balls coming out of heaven. And so, uh, a volcano, how would, how would somebody back thousands of years ago without any of the science explain of the eruption of a volcano? Well, they would certainly interpret it as fire raining down from heaven and that God was directly involved when God may have not had anything to do with it. But within the scope of what they knew and and their culture, and, and you know, they had to use the descriptions that they, uh, the metaphors and the language that they were used to.
0: And so that's still still true today. It's still true today. Yeah. yeah. We, we do the same thing. Yes, we do yeah. the same. thing. And Proverbs 25, 2 says this, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter... To search out a matter is the glory of kings. Okay, well, we'll call ourselves the kings. We're the the people searching out these things. And and you might go, well, darn, God, why are you hiding stuff from me? Because it keeps us seeking him. It's an activity together. It's relationship. It's fellowship. You'll know what you need to know when you need to know it. If he chooses to talk to you in the way of a metaphor or a parable, like Jesus talked in parables, for instance, or or, uh, an analogy, of some sort, yeah, and and so it keeps us seeking Him, uh, and He knows that you'll you, you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it, sort of a thing. All right, another way we would hear might hear from God is uh, we would might, and I believe this is on that original that last uh, slide as well, Jeff, to sense or perceive um but a bubbling up one of the words for the word prophet has to do with bubbling up kind of a being stirred in your spirit and and, and having this feeling of what's going on or maybe just kind of a perception or or kind of a, a, a okay wait pay attention a, a kind of an internal quieter uh, light bulb instead of that revelation light bulb. But just something, and you have a a recent example of that. Mm I do,
1: I have one that's a little bit older and it was before we were married and uh, we were engaged to be married and I was working at a photographic lab, one of Denver's finest photographic labs. Now this is not the Kodak high speed film stuff that you take your roll of film in, back then it was film, 35 millimeter, and, you know, they print you out the little prints in an hour sort of thing, all high, high production, you know, low quality. This was custom prints up to 30 by 40 wall size and bigger with custom framing and all of that. And I was very engrossed in that job, and, and yet I had the call to ministry on my life. And the, the pastor that I was serving under uh, was open to me coming on and it actually made an offer well to take that position it was only going to pay me five hundred dollars a month well,
0: and even back then that wasn't and much and <laughs> that was not it's a still, lot still not a, much even. <laughs> uh, I, and I, w-
1: I was making four times that at the photographic laboratory so this would be a huge cut in pay and so i just prayed and i prayed and you know there wasn't any scripture that said jeff Go thou and leave
0: your good paying
1: job. Your good paying job and start serving me through preaching and teaching at your church. You know? So as I prayed, I relied on something that I'm going to share with you right now and had another instance of this happen just last week. And that is that green light inside. I don't know how else to describe it as a velvety like feeling. A green light a peace a peace to go ahead and i stepped out on faith i left that position and i started serving at the church and as circumstances had it and everything worked our bills were paid and and i i grew in that position i i began to get paid more and quite quickly they increased my pay and so forth the church grew and so on and so forth recently last week uh, our network here at the church was experiencing some de- degradation, and I was troubleshooting it. So, I had come in on a Saturday, and uh, I had read an article that led me to believe that I needed to, to take a look at a certain uh, component in the network. And as I did... I discovered, sure enough, there it was. It needed to perform an update to this component and pull down some new software from the internet. Well, I started that process. But it was taking a long time. It was just sitting there, going and running and running. And after a while, there was no evidence that it was still working. I just had to trust. Well, so then I hear the pastor come in, and then Nina comes in, and I know they have work they need to get done, and I'm upstairs in the attic looking at this thing thinking, and I know from my IT expertise and career, you don't interrupt firmware updates. You don't interrupt BIOS updates on a computer or a component. It's dangerous to do so. You could cause a lot of problem with the component. It could fail. You might have to go buy a new component, lots of different things. So I kept waiting, and then all of a sudden I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and turn it off and turn it back on. And then as I was getting up there and I was getting ready to do that, I just had this impression. I had this awareness and said, no, Jeff, just wait. Stop. Don't reboot that component. Wait. So I stopped and the pressure to get it done and knowing the pastor's got to have the internet and, and all of a sudden it cycled through, it cleared, and the thing rebooted itself as it's supposed to do at the end of an update. And I thought, and immediately I began to thank the Lord and say, Father, you know what? That's so cool how you do that. You just give us that pause. You tell us to wait. You give us a green light. Or a weight up. It's a peace inside, and you came through. Thank you, because I could have caused a lot of problems by being anxious.
0: Absolutely. And, fo- you, and following peace is, we didn't write that anywhere, but it's really, a, following peace is really a big component to following the voice of God. Yeah. Following I, internal peace, not external peace. It may not be peaceable out here, yeah. but internal peace.
1: Yeah. yeah. See, I, I don't pray a lot about things that are in the Bible that are, like, direct things for that I should do or manners of behavior or whatever, you know. I don't need to pray about that. But there's no Scripture about what to do about rebooting a network component, on, <laughs> if, you know, in a computer network, right? I'm, I'm not going to turn to a chapter and verse on that. So what do you do? You've got to have a relationship with Holy Spirit. With Jesus. And you develop that through these things that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. How do I know is the name of our series. How do I declutter? How do I discern between all the voices?
0: And again, the more and more you do these things, the more and more you renew your mind, the more and more you do these things, the more and more it's it, it's more obvious to you.
1: You become more and more
0: acquainted. You're, it's more second nature. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, on some of these things that are analogies and um, metaphors, you might go, "Well, okay, well, couldn't any, couldn't I be getting these things from other voices?" Yes, you could. So, here's what First Thessalonians says. It says, "Don't extinguish the spirit." Hmm. It even says, "Don't treat prophecies with contempt." But Test everything that is said and hold on to what is good. So, yeah, if you've got unusual things, you test them primarily through scripture by what do they agree with what we understand scripture to say to the best of our knowledge. Also, this proverb says, In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So, if it's really something important, go to people who you know are experienced. Mature, wise, as much as can be. And and run it past them and let them give you their input. Because in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Um, And and we're supposed to test even the scriptures. Uh, Again, in Acts 17, it says the Bereans... Paul was preaching to them, and he, they received his word with all readiness. But they also searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So these are the these are the ways that we work through the unusual kind of dramatic things that we feel like might might be God talking to us. And then uh, one more thing I want to say: He can speak to us all kind of. As well, uh, I, I, I don't know, we, we used the term the other day supernaturally, but I have a fun, fun story that just happened in the, in the last few years. And some of you have already heard it maybe 10 times, I don't know. But it's one of the, I think, most fun stories for me. Um, we were starting Hot Dog Wednesdays. When we were in our last building, we were in a shopping center. And we every Wednesday for an hour, we gave away hot dog lunches to anybody who came by. We had like 50 to 70 people a week who would come and we'd give We made hot dogs. We were grilling hot dogs and, and gave them away. And... Um, we did this as what we thought to be an outreach at that time and um and we had this sense, and, and I was the one who brought this in and was overseeing it, so I was the one kind of making decisions. And we brought this in saying, okay, this is not a place where we're going to try to preach Jesus. We're not going to start saying to everybody who comes by, handing them a track or giving them a flyer or telling them you have to believe Jesus. We're just going to love on them and give them hot dogs. And we're just going to live Jesus and, let, and be living epistles and since this was kind of the first time we had done that that way, um, w- I was driving for the very first hot dog Wednesday, I was driving to the church and I was praying about it and we had a team of people who were I was going to meet and kind of prep and then we were going to have our first hot dog Wednesday and we were you know, going to figure it out. And So anyway, on the way there, I'm going, okay all right, Lord, is this really the right thing to do? Are we really not supposed to be giving out tracts or not preaching Jesus? We're just supposed to be living love and loving on people? And I come to a stop right after that, come to a stop at a red light, and the car in front of me had a sticker on the back, never seen one before, never seen it since, and it said, love people, cook them tasty food. Could that not have been a more direct answer to whether or not we were supposed to preach or just love and cook them hot dogs. Love people, cook them tasty food. That was a supernatural answer from God. You want a sign? I got a sign. I got a sign on the back of a car. (laughs) You know, love people, cook them tasty food. That was such a cool, I was like, whoa, did that really just happen? And I still feel that way. It was just an amazing uh, touch from the Father that I'm sure he had fun with and I've had fun with. And now, of course, this is the way we live our lives. We actually live our lives this way where we just love people and, uh, and just do what's ever at hand to do. And if this topic of Jesus comes up, if it's the right thing to talk about, if it's, then we do. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to mention this. You might remember this. You mentioned green light a while ago. I wanna talk about it in just a little bit different way early in my walk with Jesus early in ministry Dave Duell used this example he said you know a lot of people when it comes to hearing God's voice they feel like I want to be sure I want to be sure so that I'm at a red light they're kind of like at a red light waiting what what if it's not God what if it's not God is it God? Is it God? And so they're kind of at this red light waiting to hear from God. And he said, no, this is not the way to do this. He said, two-thirds of the word God is G-O, go. He said, live with as if you have a green light all the time until you get a red light. Did y'all get that? So live as if you always have a green light until you get a red light. And see, that's part of that living and moving and having our being in him. Instead of being all concerned about, I don't think I hear God, everybody else hears God, I don't hear God, you hear God all the time. Act like it. Live on go, live on the green light until a red light shows up.
1: I have something really great here from Ralph that I think deserves uh, our attention. He says, it is interesting that a group of caterpillars is called an army. Wow. Immature believers that have not put God's thoughts at the center of their thinking or metamorphosis are still believing in fighting. Wow. Butterflies are a kaleidoscope just concerned about beauty (laughs) and radiating light in all shapes and colors. They don't struggle. They're not fighting. And so you can stop fighting as well. In fact, as we move towards communion now and bringing our service to a close. Three years ago, we were were in the middle of one of the highest times, highest points in our personal lives and in ministry. We had moved into this great space and renovated it, had our grand opening. Hundreds of people were there for the service. And a long story short, we couldn't hold on to it and we lost that space. It was like the death of us. So many hopes were tied to that accomplishment. At that point, It was like listening to God was, what does it matter? We have failed in a colossal way. If we had heard God, how is it that we're being driven from this place and of losing everything? We wondered whether or not we'd ever be able to return to ministry. Uh, We were looking for a place to meet with our group that remained in We couldn't find a place to meet, and nobody would receive us. We wanted to co-locate. Long story short, through a friend that I play racquetball with, we were introduced to this church, St. John's Lutheran Church here in Thornton, and to the pastor, Pastor Wes Dunbar, three years ago. He opened his arms, they opened their arms, and we started meeting here. COVID hit shortly afterwards. Our sound system and screen and everything that had... They had never even had a screen in the sanctuary. All of that got installed. And three weeks after it was finished and all of our equipment was in here and they were taking advantage of all of this, these assets, COVID hits. And the Lutheran Synod, Rocky Mountain Synod, shut everything down for all Lutheran churches from one Sunday to the next everybody was isolated at home. In that one week, we put this church up on live streaming. And we went live streaming as well. The only people in the sanctuary were the people to run the camera and the, and the computer and the pastor preaching for months and months and months during the first part of COVID there. Nina eventually went to work for the church and has become the pastor's assistant. I have become part of the church staff, and I'm working here as, as well. We've shared Christmases and Thanksgivings and Easter's together. There's uh, Our worship teams have shared services together. There's this relationship now. Um, bingo, which we had already started, brought us through so many difficult times. And now St. John's hearing about Our successes with it and what it's meant to us started playing bingo about a year ago, and and they're killing it. They're having such a great time and such fun with it, and it's being an income stream that was desperately needed now at this time. We could not have written this script. We thought life was over. God brought us through. But here's what I want you to take from this you might be in the middle of circumstances which are shouting at you, there is no hope. Everything that you had tied your hope, your confidence, your sense of success and purpose to has failed. And you can't see God, much less talk to him, and maybe you're angry and don't want to. God has you right where he needs you, right where he wants you. He's pulling you through. You are going to make it. He has a plan for you. Stay steady. God is speaking. God is moving. And the script he's writing for you right now might not be something in your wildest imaginations you could have imagined. But God is working. And in this communion right now that we're about to receive, we're going to release a... a, powerful faith in promise, a powerful faith that you will continue to believe and to trust in your creator because he is a good God. He knew this was going to happen in your life. He's got your back. He's going to bring you through, okay? I know he will.